Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And tonight, the Mesa Cubs played the one of the two Brewers affiliates. And there's a little bit of offense. There's a little bit of offense. And whew, uh, Mesa ended up scoring four or more runs three times. Let's just run through a little bit, and this was basically a dream scenario. Reggie Preciado, two for six, two runs with a triple. Owen Casey, two for four with only one walk. He scored a run, drove in two, had a home run. Kevin Alcantara, two for five, three runs, three driven in. A stolen base on a double. Ismael Mena who was the leadoff hitter, two for four, two runs, two RBIs, home run, Jose Mena, two for five with a grand slam. So yeah, there was a lot of offense in going on. And actually the last three innings, they must have gotten tired running around the bases because they didn't score a single run the last three innings. And it almost kind of turned into a pitcher's duel late. But um, When you look at very young players, very young players, it doesn't matter if specifically you're looking at the Dominican League, the Compound League, possibly low A ball. When you're looking at very young players, don't project them. Don't project them. Don't project them too far. I want to look at Kevin Alcantara's numbers for the Cubs pipeline. He's played in two games. I want to look at his numbers in the morning because they're really good. They're very impressive. And it'll be fun to look at. It's just going, yes, it's small sample size. What you're looking at with very, very, very young players is raw numbers that really don't mean a whole lot. If Kevin Alcantara was playing against an advanced pitcher who had been a first-team all-conference at Georgia Tech, Duke, Vanderbilt, you put Kevin Alcantara up against Jack Leiter, it would be an entirely different thing. He's not up against Jack Leiter. He's up against the pitchers he's up against. Reggie Preciado, Owen Casey, and Kevin Alcantara are doing very well in the compound league. Very well. That is about impossible to argue. And that's about all the further you can take it. That's really all the further you can take it for right now. And enjoy what's happening. Enjoy that, hey, maybe in a while... they will advance to the next level and have a chance to prove themselves there. There's a hiccup with that, though. 
<laughs> a lot of people are saying, move up Owen Casey, move up Reggie Preciado. Okay, that's fine. You know, I, in theory, I have no problem with that. The problem is, <laughs> since last cycle, they killed the league. They absolutely killed an entire level. What used to happen was, when a guy would shred at the Arizona Compound League, which would happen, they'd say, oh, you don't belong here, and they'd move him up to um, Eugene. They'd move him up to Eugene, play him in short season ball, where he'd play against guys who had largely played well in college, and then you would have, you know, mid, uh, mid-level battle royales. Who's better? This guy who was better than the Arizona Compound League this pitcher who's better than the compound league or the hitter that's better than the compound league, who's better? And, you know, they'd battle it out and pitcher would have an ERA of 3.21. They hitter would have an OPS of 897. Hey, they're both kind of good. Okay, but you would have an entire level of players who are trying to show they are better than the players at that level. That level's gone. That level is entirely vaporized. So you have two options. You have the Arizona Compound League and you have Myrtle Beach. Those are the two options. So, you know, oh, well, okay, move up Owen Casey. All right, fine. Are you going to send back down Ezekiel Pagan? He's doing really well in Myrtle Beach. Well, no, I don't want to send down Ezekiel Pagan. Oh, let's send down somebody else. Okay, uh, do you want to send down... Um, Jonathan Sierra, he's got like a, what was it? Is his OPS the 850 the last couple, uh, the last month? Well, no, I don't want to send him down. Okay. Um, you want to send down Jordan Wogel? Darn it! Quit telling me all these players that are doing okay. There's the problem. You only have five affiliates. Mesa and... Myrtle Beach, if you're better than Mesa, to move them up to Myrtle Beach, you have to have a spot for them. So I've already run through a number of guys who are doing pretty well at Mesa. It would be stupid to send Jordan Wogu back down because you're moving up Owen Casey. It would not be wise to send down um, Ezekiel Pagan. He's doing well. If a guy's doing well, you don't want to send him down. So now, 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 to complicate things, the Cubs drafted Christian Franklin, outfielder, and the Cubs drafted Parker Shavers, outfielder. They ought to be playing somewhere. Where do you want to put them? The problem with Advancing players is you have to have a spot for everyone to play. And you don't want to screw with someone's success. Now, it could be, possibly it should be, that Myrtle Beach, uh, the Cubs will decide to move Jordan Wogu up from Myrtle Beach to South Bend. There he would play with Alexander Canario. That would make sense. That would clear out a roster spot. That would create an availability in Myrtle Beach for someone to move up. Okay, so move up Christian Franklin. 
Or do you move up Parker Shavers? Or do you move up Owen Casey? The problem isn't that there aren't enough players that might be good. The problem is now there are not enough roster spots, not enough games. This cycle, the Cubs had planned on having two different Arizona Compound League teams, two different ones. They did last year, they did the year before, they did the year before. I can't remember how far back it goes, but I think four years, six years, they they had two Arizona Compound League teams. So if you had two shortstops that legitimately needed to be playing every day or five days out of six, okay, you're on this team, you're on this team, you're golden, you're perfect, you're sweet. Now there's two teams. I mean, there's one team. There's one team where there used to be three teams. Because last year, 2019, if Reggie Preciado is absolutely mauling the Arizona Compound League, they boot him up to Eugene. If Owen Casey is absolutely mauling, if Kevin Alcantara is absolutely mauling, they boot him up to Eugene. That's not there anymore for the Cubs. Cubs can't do that. There are two teams. There's not... Let's see. It used to be there's Myrtle Beach, Eugene, and two Arizona teams. There used to be four teams. Now there's two. That's a whole lot of bats that's getting lost. Not just outfielders, not just infielders. The Cubs didn't have enough pitchers and or catchers to have entire squad an entire squad for a second Arizona League team. Could be either, could be both. But it certainly wasn't a lack of third baseman. You know, they had third baseman. They could plug pretty much anybody at third base and plug them in if that's going to prevent them from having a team. Could have gone out and signed somebody. Biz pitchers and catchers, probably pitchers. To have another team, you need to have enough healthy, upright pitchers. And the Cubs had planned on having two teams, but they had so many players that were injured, and there was the 180-player limit, which you can't go over. Oh, I've got a little update on that. I've got a little update on the 180-player limit. For the fourth time, I read something that Arizona Phil had written. And his writing is brilliant because he explains everything. But sometimes I have a case of the dumbs and I don't understand stuff the first time through or the second time through or the seventh time through. So it takes me the eighth time. Players like Christian Franklin or Jordan Wicks, any of the players who were drafted and signed, those players count against... Now, you're going to have to listen to this. I, I didn't pick it up. I did not pick it up until, like I said, you know, way later than I should have. They count against the 180-player limit. They're, the team has 15 days between when they're assigned to assign them to a team. So basically two weeks. Sounds like two weeks is about up. 
So these players, these 16 players, count against the 180-player limit either when they start playing or now I'm not even remembering the verbiage I'm going to have to go look up the verbiage again but they don't count until they don't count against the limit until after the season they do not so if you have 180 players and you add Christian Franklin and you add Parker Shavers and you add Casey Opitz and you add Jordan Wicks and they go out those players don't count against the 180 player limit. They don't. So they, until the end of the season, they are free. They do not count. If they sign a futures contract, they don't count until they play a game in the spring. So if there's anyone who does sign a futures contract, they don't count until in the spring. But the 180-player limit is absolutely stifling teams as far as being able to field as many squads as they would like. Okay, one final thing. I'm going to do a little writing here as I slowly run through this. Um... Something I came up with, and it works for me on a perspective basis. Perspective, not prospective. Perspective basis. When I think of a specific player, I like to put a number on them. Fangraphs uses the 50 or 50 plus or the 35 plus or the 60. And that, you know, not going to argue with that. That is very useful. I'm becoming much a bigger fan of that since I actually can do something with it. Since I can uh, leverage it. But when you're talking about very, very young players, as we are in this podcast, Reggie Preciado, Owen Casey, Kevin Alcantara. Those three specifically, you can throw in Ismael Mena. You can throw in Pete Crow Armstrong if you want. You can throw in whichever players you want. Now, what I like to do, and I thought of this a while back, and it's kind of been developing, 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 and I think I mentioned it before on a podcast. I'm going to do it again. Think of a deck of cards. Think of a deck of cards. You have 52 cards in the deck. You have four kings, four aces, four nines, four sevens, four threes. Now, think of a modified deck of cards. A modified deck of cards. You have an amount of cards in the deck. You don't know how many cards are in the deck. You don't know that. You don't know how many sevens there are. You don't know how many nines there are. You don't know how many fives there are. You just have a whole whopping huge deck of cards. Okay? It's not 52. It's a large number. In fact, for this specific instance, it's probably a little bit bigger than 180. You have a big old honking deck of cards. 
You have some get some that are seven, some that are eights, except there are more cards than ace through ten. There's one through eighteen. One through eighteen. And you may or may not have more of the levels than four. So you have one, two, three, four, all the way up to 15, 16, 17, 18. All the players are incorporated by one of those card faces. It's not no kings, no jacks, no queens. One through 18. If the card is a one, a two, or a three, the player is in the Dominican Summer League. If the card is a four, a five, or a six, they're in the Arizona Compound League. Seven, eight, nine, low A, Myrtle Beach. 10, 11, 12, high A, South Bend. 13, 14, 15, they're in double A, Tennessee. 16, 17, 18, they're in triple A. Now, in theory, you could possibly even expand it to the major leagues, but we're not going to do that. One through three, Dominican League, four through six, Arizona Compound League, seven through nine, low A, 10 through 12, high A, 13 through 15, double A, 16 through 18, triple A. Now, as you may have noticed, there is a three card range for each level. Dominican Summer League, one, two, three. If a player is absolutely struggling, and is probably in danger of, at some point in the relatively near future, getting released. If somebody better shows up, he's a one. If he's doing, he's all right. He's all right. Not, nothing absolutely, you know, get all excited about, but he's doing all right. He's doing about what he should be doing. That would be a two. If a guy is absolutely crushing, hashtag Pedro Alvarez, or Pedro Ramirez. Boy, I keep saying Pedro Alvarez. Pedro Ramirez, 17-year-old or better than the league, then he would be a three. But if he's in the Dominican League, he's either a one, a two, or a three. If he's in the Arizona Compound League, he's either a four, a five, or a six. So Reggie Preciado is a four, a five, or a six. Which would you put him as if it's four, a five, or a six? Four is low end, five is middle end, six is high end. Since he's crushing the league, he's a six. Okay, now the reason I bring that up now with them, I'm going to stop there, though one could go through the entire pipeline that way. Triple A guys are 16 to 18. Reggie Preciado is a six. Six is a lot lower than 18. Preciado has years to go. Casey has years to go. Alcantara has years to go, possibly in a month or so, either or any or all of them, maybe in Myrtle Beach. With them, they have, I don't know if you're a Bulls fan, but my uh, my dad used to watch and Stacy King would... You know, if there was like seven minutes left and the Bulls were down by 15 points, tons of time, tons of time, tons of time. Not Time's not a problem. Tons of time. 
with players like Preciado, Casey, and Alcantara. Tons of time. Time is not a huge issue for them. Next year, they should probably be in low A or maybe even high A. And once you start getting to 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, then you start getting close to the majors. That Once the numbers start getting higher, then you can start assessing things a little bit more carefully. But as of right now, Reggie Preciado, he's mauling the Arizona League. Reggie Preciado, Owen Casey, Kevin Alcantara, mauling the Arizona League. That's all you can take out of it. They haven't shown you how they would do against high A pitching yet. And they won't until they're in high A. Tonight, the Mesa Cubs beat Milwaukee 16-13. to Both teams hit a lot. I don't know if there's any weather stuff, if the wind was blowing out, but um, both teams hit very well. It's fun to have players doing well at the low levels. It's fun to have players doing well at the higher levels. And I'm guessing either Tuesday night or Wednesday night, Tennessee will probably start Caleb Killian. And for my money, that is must watch or must listen because that's going to be information you don't have now. You're going to listen and Mick Gillespie is going to tell you how he's doing. He's going to tell you how he's doing. And that is information. If you're interested in the pipeline, you should need to, you should be very interested in knowing. Players doing well at the low levels is fantastic. It lets you dream of how they're going to be doing next year or the year after that. And if they keep doing well, it really bodes well for the future of the Cubs. If they have a year where they have a little bit of struggle, it's still fine because players will struggle at some level between the lowest level and Major League Baseball. At some point, it's going to happen. might even happen for Caleb Killian at some point. But... um. Players at lower levels, when they're mauling, hey, it's absolutely fantastic. It's wonderful. It's fun to play around with it, to joke around with it. But if you're thinking even for a quarter of a second that because a player is hitting well in the Arizona Compound League, that necessarily means they will do well in Major League Baseball, you're fooling yourself. You are absolutely fooling yourself. When a player does well at any level, that is really useful. They are at whatever level. Darius Hill is doing rather well at double A. I was stunned. I was not thinking Darius Hill was going to be that guy. But as soon as he started putting up good numbers at double A level, I was thinking... They, they trade him. 
seriously, that's why I started thinking. It's like, I guess he's the guy they could trade if they're going to trade. But um, Darius Hill, next year, presumably. Heck, maybe even this year, presumably. Send him to Triple A. Why not? See what he's got. See if he's see if he's overmatched there. See if he can get it done there. If a player has shown he's better than a certain level, you want him to move up. Sometimes, especially now with the elimination of entire levels and teams and all that kind of stuff, moving players up is harder. Moving up players is harder because you have to justify it in both directions. If you're moving a player up to a team where there is an absolute vacancy on the other roster, that's not a problem. Oh, that guy was that guy was playing that position. Release him. Release him. He wasn't going to do anything anyway. But if you have a team where I want to move this outfielder up, I want to move this shortstop up. If you move up Reggie Preciado, where he, he's supposed to start. Um, Kevin Made is supposed to start. Ed Howard is supposed to start. Luis Vasquez is supposed to start. They got a couple other guys at that level who really ought to be playing. It's not as easy as move them up. That's why I, I don't claim to be any sort of expert on who should get moved up when and why. I do not claim to be that. Sometimes there are very difficult decisions to be made. And if you are going to do the, yeah, call up Owen Casey. Oh, that's fine. What are they going to send down? Or are they going to send two guys up? Because they need spots. They need spots for Christian Franklin to play. They need a spot for Parker Shavers to play. Where are they going to play? Whose job are they going to steal? Where's Ezekiel Pagan? Ezekiel Pagan has been getting bounced back and forth between... Um, his year's been nuts because he started in... Started in Mesa, went up to Myrtle Beach and did really well... But then, who was it who came back from an injury? Was it Wogu? So, somebody had been on the injured list for like two weeks. They called up Pagan. He had like 280. He's not a huge power guy, but, you know, he's hitting 280 in his first try in Myrtle Beach. They sent him back down to Mesa. What do you want me to do? He hit. He performed. So they sent him back down to Mesa. Surprise, surprise, he hit the heck out of the ball again because that's what he was doing when he was in Mesa. They sent him back up because, well, because he's hitting too well to leave him in the minors, or to leave him in Mesa. He got to Myrtle Beach where he'd been hitting 275. He couldn't hit the ball. They left him there. He's finally working through it. He's hitting again. I don't think he's good enough to, oh, that's right. I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting. Yo, Hendrick Penango. You don't want to steal a bath from him either. I don't think he's um, quite ready for South Bend. Jonathan Sierra, you could move to South Bend. Possibly have an outfield of 
Jonathan Sierra Wogu and Alexander Canario. You could possibly do that. That would create a couple of spots. I don't know that I'd like the center field defense there, but that's what you have to do. You have to figure out, okay, who's going to stay here? Who's going to get moved up? Now, if you do move up two guys to South Bend, which is fine, then probably you better move some guys up to Tennessee as well. You have to account for every level. And there's been a whole lot of crunching going on, mental crunching going on. Who should be where as of Tuesday? Because Saturday and Sunday were a joke as far as rostering. Because with the trades that the Chicago Cubs had made, guys from AAA went up to the majors. Guys from AA got booted up to AAA to sit the bench because they had to figure out who actually should be where based on the information that's known now. And Tennessee had only three guys on the bench. It's, fortunately, it wasn't a, you know, fortunately it was a DH game, so they weren't having to pinch hit. Moving players up is fine, well, and good, but it has to make sense both ways. It has to make sense all ways. And to, to an honest extent, if you're going to play that game, and it's perfectly fine if you want to, it's really not my preference, because I'd rather say who's doing what, where they are, instead of saying this guy should go up here or there. It starts at AAA. Who should be the starters Tuesday night in AAA? Who should be the starters Tuesday night in AAA? Perhaps the argument could be made Brennan Davis should be in Iowa. If that decision is made, that opens up a spot in Tennessee. So then you can move someone up, someone up from South Bend to Tennessee. And then that opens up another spot in Tennessee in the outfield. So then you can move someone else from South Bend up if they've earned it. And then move someone else from Mesa to South Bend, etc., etc., etc. But you don't want to advance a player and give them at-bats that they haven't earned. Delvin Zinn was recently called up from South Bend to Tennessee. Cool, wonderful, excellent. I love it. Um, hopefully he hits there, and he did very well over the weekend. Hopefully that continues. But um, moving up Owen Casey, moving up Reggie Preciato, Moving up Kevin Alcantara. I don't think they're going to move up Al Alcantara for at least another two weeks because he's played two games. You know, let, let him keep doing that for a while. And I really don't have any problem with Preciado, Casey, and Alcantara being being a squad. I just keep them together. Keep them together. Okay, you three, get to know each other. You know, one of you two is going to be a roommate with the other and the other one's going to be across the hall and you're going to be over there and, you know, however it's going to work. But no, um, Preciado, Casey, and Alcantara, I would have no problem with them staying in Mesa. None. Because I want them to be together. I want them to get, you know... Oh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Um, 
conspire. The word conspire. I think it comes from a Latin root, something along the lines of breathing together. Spire is breathe. Con is, you know, like Congress, getting together. Uh, Breathing, they're just, they're getting to know each other. And I really think Reggie Preciado, Owen Casey, and Kevin Alcantara being together on the same team for the next two or three weeks, that's all good. That's all good. Yeah, probably one of them or two of them could probably play at the low A level right now. But as of right now, I'm good with them being a squad. You remember how they used to have three-on-three basketball tournaments? Three-on-three. You'd have four people on the squad. You'd have three... Three three guys would be the starters, and one guy would get rotated in as the sub. The Macker tournament. Preciado, Casey, and Alcantara. Toss in Ismael Mena. Keep those four guys together. Keep those four guys together for the rest of the year. And let them just have some fun beating the snot out of pitchers in Arizona Compound League. So everybody, when they're looking at the Arizona Compound League, says, oh my God, how are we going to beat these guys? They'll lose some nights. They'll get one hit some nights. But if you send out a pitcher who doesn't have his good stuff going on, tonight's game, oh, what was it? It's like it's like 11 hits, 11 walks in a nine-inning game. They, they make you throw strikes. And when you throw strikes, they beat the crap out of it. They're not chasing junk in the dirt, at least not at that level. Now, if they'd move up a level, probably they would. But as for right now, as for the next two, three weeks, maybe if they keep pummeling the ball, maybe if, let's say, Christian Franklin moves up to South Bend. I'm just going to say that. No, no, no. Christian Franklin moves up to Myrtle Beach along with Parker Shaver. Somehow, they move this guy there and move that guy there and move the other guy there. They have Parker Shavers and Christian Franklin in Myrtle Beach along with Jonathan Sierra. However it is. However it is. Let that go for about two or three weeks. Then, if there's an injury or somebody's playing out of their skull and somebody else needs to get moved up, somebody else needs to get moved up, and you want to move Casey up for the last week of the year, you want to move Alcantara up for the last week of the year, that's fine. That's fine. But I think having Casey, Preciado, Alcantara, and Mena, they're all big dudes. I think Mena's the short guy at 6'2". Just let them have fun. Let them play. Let them have fun. And in 2022, when everybody else, everybody else in the entire Major League Baseball affiliation stuff, all of that stuff, everybody say, oh no, 
there's a strike. There's a lockout. We're not going to have any baseball this year. <laughs> we can laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> About that. <laughs> it's going to be unfortunate if there's no Major League Baseball. Don't get me wrong. But it's not going to be a case if there's not going to be any baseball. Reggie Preciado going to play somewhere. Owen Casey going to play somewhere. Kevin Alcantara going to play somewhere. Ismael Mena going to play somewhere. And when they're playing next year, there's going to be an audio stream. There's going to be an audio stream. That's going to be fun. So then, whenever that ends up being, they will no longer be either a 4, 5, or a 6. In other words, they will no longer be a 6 card. They will be moved up to low A next year. They will be 7, 8, or 9. We'll give them a while to figure out where they are. Then, if one of them gets to the point where, man, this guy's better than low A, then you know what you do? You move them up to high A. Then they're 10, 11, or 12. For long, you're starting to get kind of close to 18. And the entire premise, the entire premise, the entire premise with what Jed Hoyer has been doing recently, with what Jed Hoyer did the last week or so, with what Jed Hoyer's probably going to be planning to have done in the draft next year, the entire plan is have enough prospects enough power hitting guys enough fast guys enough guys that plink the ball to the opposite field like nick madrigal enough bruisers at first base like bryce ball some of them some of them are going to be good enough to get to triple a and look really good there then they got called up because for too long, for too long, let's see, Kyle Schwarber was doing rather well in AAA. They said, you know what, let's try him at the major league level. And it worked, except he did miss out on some development time in AAA. Ended up having to go back. Ian Happ. I think he was in double A when he got, yeah, I I'm pretty sure he was in double A when he got called up to the majors. Why? Because we, we need him. We have nothing. He is our best option. Well, why didn't you get somebody out of triple A? There wasn't anybody. That's problematic. What good organizations generally do, they have quality at every level. It's not going to be quality at every position, at every level necessarily. You're not going to have a fantastic 15-man bullpen in the low A level. But you will have quality across the board running up through the system. You might have a situation where, well, our double A third baseman's not all that much. But our high A guy's pretty good and our Triple A guy's pretty good. We got another guy coming up in the from the draft that he's going to be pretty good. So if you have enough depth, enough prospects, enough quality, somebody is probably going to flow through to the top and be worth having. 
Preciado, Casey, Alcantara, Mena, Pete, Crow, Armstrong, etc., 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 etc. There's going to be a draft next year. Christian Franklin, all these guys, some of them ought to be good enough to reach the major leagues. Then you toss in, you toss in people who are out scouting around, looking around, and you get lucky with a Patrick Wisdom, a Rafael Ortega, a Ben Leeper, a Tommy Nance, a Justin Steele comes through. Keegan Thompson gets healthy and figures it out. If you have enough players developing all at the same time, eventually some of them should cash. It doesn't have to be Owen Casey. It doesn't have to be Reggie Preciado. It doesn't have to be Kevin Alcantara. The Cubs are now the ninth best pipeline in baseball per fan graphs. Some of them will get it done. I'm not going to tell you which ones. I'm not that smart. But as players at the very, very, very low levels do well, enjoy it, but don't assume. Somebody's asking me tonight, so what's uh, Casey's ETA, 2022? It's like, heck no! Heck no, he won't even be the double A by then. Shouldn't be the double A by then. Let a player do well, you let a player struggle, a little bit of each at a level. Then when it's time to move him up, you move him up, but you don't rush him. Let him have two or three months at a level. See how he's doing. If it makes sense to move him up and it doesn't screw up anybody else's development, then you move him up. Enjoy players doing well at the low levels. Enjoy the team scoring 16 runs, having three different innings where they score four or more. These guys are looking good. Don't rush it. Let them learn along the way. And occasionally think about the 1 to 3, 4 to 6, 7 to 9, 10 to 12, 13 to 15, 16 to 18. To get to triple A guys are 16, 17s, and 18s. Guys who are in low A are 7s to 9s. That's a large spread. Fortunately, it's the player that decides when he moves up. The player makes space at the next level. And then eventually the team moves them up. The player will decide when he's getting moved up. Normally, it's kind of obvious. Nowadays, it's harder because there are the Two teams that used to be there in 2019 that aren't there anymore. But at some point, Preciado, Casey, 
Alcantara. They'll move up. In the spring, Pete Crow Armstrong, maybe low A, maybe high A. And the players, if you take the time, the players get familiar to you. You listen to games. You watch games. You get to know, oh, Alcantara, he's that one guy who. Preciado, the first time I was listening to his game, he. And you start filling in those blanks. You start filling in those blanks. You start having a mental index card for all of these players with stuff scratched on every line and a couple things off in the margin and some arrows pointing to over here for all of them. That's kind of how it is with me. I have mental index cards going on with players. And I'm looking for something. Yeah, okay, it's over there. Um, it's fun. It's fun having players to fill in information on. And when they're at the very low levels, they're at the very low levels, and they are crushing the competition, it's fun, and don't read too much into it. Because the pitchers that they're beating the crap out of in the Arizona League, those aren't necessarily the guys they will be facing in four or five years if they're playing at the major league level. But it's fun. It's very fun having young players looking like they might be top 100 guys in the pipeline. And not a case of, well, yeah, this guy ought to be top 100. Well, because uh, because I say, no, 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 no. What ends up happening, if you're a top 100 guy, if you're a completely, totally legitimate top 100 guy, you look at them and say, yeah, they're top 100. People from other organizations look at them and say, yeah, they're top 100. Because if you're top 100, it shows. If the player's a top 100, it absolutely shows. Preciado, Alcantara, they're looking the part. Will they be the part? Possibly soon. But if they crush low A ball in 2022 or in a month, it'll help. But don't rush it. Don't rush it. Struggling is fine. Being successful is fine. They have plenty of time. And it was really funny watching the scoreboard. Just, it, it, it was like a pinball machine. It would jump from one to six. How can you have five runs score in one third of a second? Well, the streaming is a little bit behind. But, uh... These guys are going to be fun to follow. These guys are going to be very fun to follow. And the people who, to this day, criticize the U Darvish trade, they will get to reassess at some point. Thanks for stopping by. Be safe. Be nice to others. And tomorrow night... 
we get to see where everybody's playing because I have no idea where anybody's going to be. Have a great night.